you could ever need, starting right now. Hello and welcome into the Water Break, 88.9 The Bridge's best late night sports show. We are uh, the winner of one Golden Microphone Award for the best high school sports talk show in the nation. I am McLean, your host, here with Creed, Cy, and Will virtually tonight. And we're going to get things started off with our 5 and 5, bringing us news from 5 sports in 5 minutes. I'm going to kick us off with baseball. As the season draws closer, uh, your hometown Seattle Mariners have uh, looked to find an answer at a couple of positions by uh, looking at position battles in the spring. Those position battles are left field, uh, the sixth start in the mound, and second base. Now, second base looks to be all but decided. That's Dylan Moore's spot to lose, really. If he can hit like he did in 2020, the spot is his to lose. Ty France could also be a factor if Perry Hill manages to fix his infield defense. Ty France is probably one of the best pure bats on the Mariners roster, uh, but his infield defense has just been atrocious throughout his career, so we'll see if he plays his way into an infield role or stays in the DH spot. Left field is a bit more of an open competition. Uh, Jake Fraley and Taylor Trammell are both heating up at the end of spring. Uh, Trammell is still very young, so the Mariners could leave him down uh, to try and keep a year of service time on his contract. Um, or they could just let him play. He'd start over Jake Fraley, and uh, that should be decided in the coming weeks. Uh, the last position battle they have let uh, yet to decide on is the sixth spot in the rotation. Justin Dunn and Nick Markavichus are uh, in contention for that last spot. Both looked pretty shaky in their last start, um, but they are competing for the sixth rotation spot on a rebuilding team. So it's not like we're going to get Cy Young prediction per production, excuse me, from either of them. Dunn looked solid, and he is the favorite to hold the spot over the veteran Nick Margavichus. Both, I called Margavichus a veteran, but he's still pretty young. Both should contribute to the team. It's just likely that one will open camp in the bullpen and one will start in the rotation. Now over to Creed for some soccer. Yeah, so in soccer, we have actually some more news this week in the English Premier League. So a lot of teams in the English Premier League right now are really interested in Erling Holland from Borussia Dortmund. Uh, this is the guy who in, I think it was the un Norway under-20 team, uh, he played for them. 
He scored nine goals in a single game against Honduras. It was a 12-0 win. He scored nine goals. Now, that's something that a normal soccer team will score nine goals, maybe in three games. So it's amazing. Um, right now, uh, I think Barissa Dortmund's asking Chelsea for $180 million for Erling Holland, And then Manchester City and Real Madrid are also extremely interested. Man City kind of set aside all their other trades and are mainly focusing on this one right now. Um, so that's a big, big news thing uh, trade-wise. And then Everton FC's 500 million stadium plan got approved by the government. So that's that's a that's a very expensive stadium right there. And then upcoming on Saturday, April 3rd through Monday, April 5th, we'll have uh, quite a few games. Uh, two big ones, uh, Leicester City versus Manchester City. Uh, that's number one against number three. That's going to be Saturday, April 3rd at 9.30 a.m. And then Arsenal-Liverpool is the second game that's a really big and probably going to be extremely fun to watch game. That's uh, Saturday, April 3rd at 12 p.m. Um, and then in the MLS, we have the Sounders just launched the Jimi Hendrix kit as a new secondary jersey. It's got purple and orange, and it's it looks really cool. Um, you can buy them right now for $70 for a normal one and 130 for an authentic one. Uh, on to side with basketball. Yeah, so in basketball, there's been some tough news this week. LaMelo Ball broke his wrist, and uh, I think as of two days ago, he just went uh, under surgery to repair it. And uh, a lot of people are saying he could be back by the end of the season, but it's definitely not guaranteed. And Stan Albeck, uh, who was a former NBA coach, has died at age 89. So that's kind of the somber news. And then as for scores... Portland snuck past Miami 125 to 122. Washington just narrowly lost to the New York Knicks uh, 106 to 102. Uh, the LA Clippers easily defeated the San Antonio Spurs 98 to 85. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers uh, beat the Lakers 109 to 101. And finally, Sac the Sacramento Kings easily just destroyed the Golden State Warriors 141 to 119 and that's it for NBA news yeah so in the NHL you see the playoffs are right here on the horizon I'm really excited for it um, but unfortunately I don't think the Canucks are getting in this year they have just been really on and off hot and cold and I think a lot of that stems from our goaltending which has been mostly a two-man rotation between Thatcher Demko and Braden Holtby and I really think Braden Holtby wasn't the greatest uh, decision to pick up in the offseason and I don't think he's played too well this year either uh, over in the east we have probably could be a historic moment here the Sabres are on a 16 game loss streak which has only ever been seen once before the Penguins got an 18 game loss streak and that is the current record and that was back in 04 so if the Sabres drop their next two games which is looking pretty likely they could extend themselves and break the Penguins streak which is crazy I mean the Sabres are horrible and they just gave away one of their best players to Montreal who has really actually stacked their team after losing Pacioretty to the Golden Knights and still managing to make a fairly deep run in the playoffs. They've started to bring in a lot of new players, uh, some good defensemen, and I think their team has a serious shot at it this year as long as Carey Price can play like he usually does. Anyways, we're going to go on to McLean for some football news. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the San Francisco 49ers, rival of your hometown Seahawks, have gained some headlines this week by moving up from number 12 in the 2021 draft to number three. 
Now, that's what I want to talk about today. Because the San Francisco 49ers, they seem to be doing the traditional 49ers thing of following a cycle of, you know, having a season where they look good and then a season where they get ravaged by injuries. In the only season where Jimmy Garoppolo has played 16 games for them, he was able to take them to the Super Bowl. Now, I don't know why they would be mortgaging the future uh, to go up to number three, but I do have some theories um, however, I've been talking a lot, so I'm going to let y'all, uh, tell me what you think of this move. I honestly am not really sure. I don't know much about the whole deal. Um, but I think with the number three, they're probably going to go for a quarterback. I'm not 100% sure, but that, that might be my guess or another top player. Go um, for a quarterback. Anybody in yeah. mind? No, not really. No. All right. So Creed thinks oh, wait, we're going what was for his name. No, I, I thought of someone's name. All right. Zach Wilson. That's who it is. Zach Wilson from BYU, the Mormon Rocket. So you think that they're going for Zach Wilson? Maybe. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sai, any ideas? Yeah, I'm going to probably have to say Justin Fields because I I think he just makes the most sense uh, for the Niners. Because, I mean, he's he's basically just the consensus second best quarterback in this draft right behind Trevor Lawrence. So – I think that he's just a solid option because we all know Trevor's going to the Jaguars. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to say Justin Fields. All right, so Trevor will save the Jags at first overall. Uh, now, there is a bit of a, a little bit of a problem in this equation, and that is the New York Jets. If the Niners are really looking to grab their signal caller of the future, I really don't think that they'll be able to, you know, bank on either, like, whoever their favorite quarterback is. I'm obviously not, you know, a member of the San Francisco 49ers war room, so I can't tell you if they prefer Fields or Wilson. I personally think that Zach Wilson is a better choice to go to them, uh, just because he more closely fits the, uh, like, pocket-passing archetype of a Kyle Shanahan quarterback going back to, yeah. like, Matt Ryan, Nick Mullins... Uh, even even Jimmy Garoppolo fits this archetype, whereas whereas Fields is more of a playmaker. I think uh, the place where Fields actually makes the most sense would be uh, to, would be Philly, uh, but they traded out, so he's probably not going there. My point is, um, I think that San Fran actually are going to flip the number three pick. Now this number three pick is really weird because in the draft order it actually belonged to Houston. Uh, but they traded it to Miami uh, two years ago to get Laramie Tunzel. They traded a first-round pick and then wound up losing so much that that first-round pick became number three. Miami trades it to San Fran to get first-rounders in the next couple drafts. And I think that uh, San Fran are going to try to flip the pick. It, I, I can't really think of... Um, I don't think taking a quarterback is wise for them at this juncture. Jimmy Garoppolo has obviously had some concerns with injury, but he's definitely a proven winner. Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy I have a lot of respect for, and I think that uh, if he can stay healthy, which is, of course, a big if, but if he can stay healthy, this team is dynamic enough to um, to get back to the Super Bowl. What I think that they should do, and yes, I'm sticking with Super Bowl expectations for these Niners when they were fully healthy. They were a league-altering force in 2019, and I think that getting all of their stars back healthy... Uh, Garoppolo we mentioned, but also getting uh, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, getting all their stars back onto the field would help them a ton. I think that it actually makes the most sense for them to flip the number three pick to some other team that's looking for a quarterback. 
All right. Think about the haul they could get. I, I think that makes sense. Yeah. But if you're looking at it where Trevor Lawrence is like certainly your number one, and then the Jets are up between Wilson and Fields is kind of the, the fight for number two. Whoever they trade that to is going to get a worse, like, it's going to get the worse option out of Wilson and Fields from what they've been scouting them at and what they've been watching them over the winter break. So I think, and they already gave up, like, three first-round picks for this, right? Yeah, but consider the haul they could get. Imagine if, um, hear me out, what if they trade this pick to the Bears? I think Chicago actually makes a lot of sense. If they trade this pick to the Bears, the Bears send them back. Uh, pick number 20, they send Khalil Mack and they send Akeem Hicks. This 49ers team just became probably the best defense in league history. Um, sure, of course, they've still got Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, but they added Khalil Mack and a first round pick. Right? Yeah. But looking at I feel the like... Bears. Uh, the Bears? Oh. I mean, Justin Fields could save the Bears. But they don't really need – do you think they need picks? Like, do you think the Bears are looking to win now with the signing of Andy Dalton, or do you think they would look to get a new quarterback in the draft? I think Andy I Dalton see that. makes – I think Andy Dalton – it's my hot take. I said this last week on the show that Andy Dalton is actually set up for a lot of success in Chicago, and this is a much closer environment to one that he was able to succeed in back in Cincy. Um, you know, with the solid running game and a true number one receiver paired with a good defense. I think Andy Dalton is set up to get the Bears to the playoffs, especially in the expanded format. He should find a way to sneak him in. But I think that the Bears, beyond 2021, they've got a problem. They've got a Mitch Trubisky-shaped hole under center, and they don't have anybody to fill it. So I think that the Bears should probably, if the Niners offer them pick number three for one of their defensive stalwarts, they should take it. Trade up into the three spot, take Justin Fields, and let the number three pick change hands one more time. Plus, the Niners could add another impact player into their defense. Okay, but if this was the Niners' plan all along was to just deal away the number three pick, why would they give up so much just to get it in the first place? You think they could have somehow maneuvered their three first-rounders, one of which is a 12 overall, uh, to other teams in hopes of getting players? Well, that's the thing, is I would assume that if they are flipping this pick, there's probably some team that already wants to move up to three, some quarterback needy team or some team with a giant hole at left tackle. You know, I I say this uh, with the assumption that the Jets won't pick Oregon State tackle Penny Sewell, but if they found some team that was like one left tackle away, they could uh, auction off this number three pick and probably gain back some some serious... Uh, some serious uh, draft capital in return or established NFL talent for the number three pick. You know what actually makes a lot of sense is uh, them trading it to Atlanta for Matt Ryan and letting Atlanta pick Justin Fields. That makes some sense, right? Atlanta gets uh, a trade to Atlanta would look like Atlanta getting Jimmy Garoppolo and the number three and the number three pick uh, with San Fran getting the number four pick and Matt Ryan, right? That's about yeah, even. Maybe Miami I, throws in I don't know. late round pick. Do you think they would use Matt Ryan? Like, would that really be a great trade for them? Matt Ryan was the MVP of the league the last he time has, he played with Kyle Shanahan. He does not have many years left. That's true. That's true. But I, I think if they're looking to maybe set themselves up for the next couple of years, not just this year, I don't know if Ryan would be the, the guy exactly. 
Well, that's the thing, is that San Fran, in the, in the mock trade that I just talked about 15 seconds ago, they would also get the number four pick, which we assume they could move back from. They could sell that pick off to somebody looking to get an impact receiver, one of the top three receivers in the draft, some Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith kind of guy, um, and then maybe uh, pick again later in the first round and get a, like more of a project quarterback. Right? That way, the Niners offseason would have netted them Matt Ryan and then one of the project quarterbacks at the end of the draft, like a Kyle Trask kind of guy. Or they could always uh, take a flyer in the late rounds. They could go and take a flyer on, like, Kellen Mond in the third or fourth round and try and use Kellen Mond as your succession plan. Not to mention Matt Ryan's play style. I think that assuming the Niners do go get Matt Ryan... I mean, he's he could have very well five or six years left in him. He's only 35, I say only, but he is a pocket-passing quarterback. So, I mean, Matt Ryan uh, could be set up for success in the long term. Possibly. Think, yeah. Also, I, but I think if you're talking about them picking up... I don't think that's a terrible idea, especially with some of the younger players. Uh, I'm mostly talking about Ayuk here, but uh, if they want to pair him up with a really, really good young quarterback, I think that could set them up well. But with the defensive situation they have, I think looking to win now, although it's a tough division, winning now might not be possible just with the competition they're going to have. I think it's a good chance. It's a good opportunity for them to look at it now. Okay, there is one more move that San Fran could do with this pick, and it's one that I haven't really talked about yet, so I'm going to get it in before the break really quick. They could push all their chips into the middle of the table if there's one of the receivers in the draft that they just absolutely love. There is a chance that they uh, got into this spot so that they could be in position to take Alabama receiver Devontae Smith. And Devonta Smith is regarded as one of the most high-risk, high-reward prospects in the draft. He's a little bit undersized, but, you know, his stats are there, his tape is there. He's got uh, essentially everything but the height that NFL uh, talent evaluators look for in a wide receiver. If they want to gamble on Devonta Smith, they could transform their league, they could transform their offense into something that could run the league, assuming Garoppolo stays healthy. They don't really have a backup quarterback, but they could go and get, like, an established veteran off the market. I, uh, believe it was last week that I talked about a potential reunion with Alex Smith as the backup, and I think that could work well, but if they pair Jimmy Garoppolo with another number one receiver, they could, uh, have Devontae Smith, uh, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. That is a solid, solid receiving core right there. That is a core of receivers that are ready to run the league for years to come. And I think that's their highest risk, highest reward move that they could use this draft pick on. Yeah, Personally, and I think for, De oh. Oh, for Devontae Sorry. Smith, I don't think the concern is really his height because he's 6'1", but his weight, like if you look at the guy, he just looks really slender. And, yeah, I mean, uh, he's less than 200, I, right? I think he's 160, something 160. like that. 160, yeah, that's high school size. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, oh no, 174 actually. So, 174. Yikes. Still high school size, but <laughs> uh I just feel like the injury concerns would be really high there with like these NFL cornerbacks and linebackers. Like this guy runs a slant and Bobby Wagner hits him. I don't oh, know boy. if he gets up. Yeah, it's uh definitely definitely Devontae Smith uh 
probably until he bulks up a little bit, he might be used as a situational player. I mean, we've seen undersized players thrive in the NFL, especially in wide receivers. I mean, the Niners have uh, got gashed in the finale last season, their season finale by Tyler Lockett, a guy who's also under 200 pounds. And, you know, Lockett, uh, Tyler Lockett has been tearing it up for Seattle for a long time. So that's, that's, that's a possibility. That's a possibility is that Devonte Smith has Tyler Lockett's career. I'd say, uh, I wouldn't say that's his best case scenario, but I'd say that's his floor is Tyler Lockett. All right, so we're going to go to break. Uh, to give you a quick recap of the things the Niners could do, safe play, draft a quarterback in number three, draft either Wilson or Fields, whichever their favorite is or whichever falls to them. Aggressive play, flip the team and get a blue chip NFL, def- flip the pick and get a blue chip NFL defender or flip the pick to, to Atlanta and get Matt Ryan. Uh, and then high risk is draft Devonte Smith and try to break the league in half. That's going to be uh, it from us for now. We're going to take a quick break here on the water break. We will be right back on 88.9 The Bridge. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the water break on 88.9 The Bridge. I am McLean here virtually with Cy Creed and Will. And today we're going to be addressing one of the heavier matters of the NFL. Uh, that is the uh, curious case of Deshaun Watson. Will, do you want to give us the facts on that? Well, uh, it started with just one or two, but now there have been, I've heard multiple counts of 14, I've heard over 20, uh, and more and more accusations just keep coming out against him, so it's not looking good. I think his time in Texas, and especially in Houston, I, I couldn't imagine him going to the Cowboys, but I think his time in Houston is done for now. Uh, he didn't want to play there, and I don't think Houston's going to want to have him back. Uh, but the case is still ongoing, so there's really not much we can say about it, and we'll hopefully find out in the next couple of weeks yeah so that's definitely a storyline you'll want to keep your eyes on that's uh definitely a pretty big deal everyone who during the wilson drama said that we should send wilson to houston is probably looking kind of stupid now right i mean <laughs> Pete carroll does have a like a, a a reputation for taking risks on these hot-headed players, most notably guys like Percy Harvin and uh, drafting Richard Sherman, all guys, all notable hotheads. But like, I don't think anyone with as many, uh, you know, dents as Deshaun Watson does has a chance of making it in Seattle, not to mention Wilson's not moving. So the whole discussion was stupid anyways. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, we keep moving. Yep. All right. Do you guys want to talk about Seattle's uh, week in free agency? You guys can go ahead. I don't know much about it. I'd like okay. to learn, though. Thank you, Creed. Uh, so Seattle played a little bit of musical chairs along the defensive line. They brought in a San Francisco super sub, Kerry Hyder, who had a standout 2020. He recorded eight and a half sacks, which was a career best for him. Uh, played in all 16 games for the first time in a while. <laughs> And got some starts in the absence of Nick Bosa and Nick Bosa et al. You know, all the game wreckers on uh, San Fran's defensive line. He's uh should check in, uh, probably fill Jerron Reed's spot. Jerron Reed uh, was released by the team at one o'clock today. Uh, and he's uh, Seattle got not much in return. So he's uh, no longer a Seattle Seahawk. Uh, but Carlos Dunlap is back at the Leo spot for this team. Benson Mayoa also re-signed, and it looks like Seattle is keeping all of their horses, sans Jaron Reed, in tow from last year on the defensive line while also uh, adding in Kerry Hyder from the Niners. What do you guys think about that? 
I think those are some really good moves, especially Carlos Dunlap. I know he was injured for a little bit of last year, but I loved watching him. And I think he made a really big impact, uh, more than we've seen out of some players since the Legion of Boom. And I think he certainly is a player that I wanted back just from the get-go, from the end of last year's season. And I think he's going to make a big impact in the coming season. Yeah, having Carlos yeah. Dunlap, I completely agree. Having Dunlap as that true number one in Pete Carroll's Leo spot, that's um, that's those are Cliff Averill's shoes he's filling, and that's a position that's largely been filled by committee uh, after Frank Clark left. So that allowed uh, Seattle to run the right end position largely by committee and allowed guys like we mentioned Benson Mayoa first, but also it allowed guys like Alton Robinson, who had four sacks to step in Rasheem green, who also had four um, it's, it allowed guys like that. And it also kept some of the attention off of Jamal Adams. I'd like to remind you guys that before Carlos Dunlap was here, almost every team would shift their offensive line to the side that Jamal Adams played on new England mm. Patriots. The Patriots doubled him and he's a safety. I mean, for good reason, though. He has a lot of sacks. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Adams led the team in sacks last year, nine and a half from the secondary. And New England doubled him. Arizona uh, almost doubled him in the second matchup. They doubled him a couple times, not for the whole game. But yeah, Jamal Adams, certainly a guy that a lot of attention was paid to. I think Jamal Adams, didn't he break the record for like most sacks by a defensive back? Or I think he tied it. He beat it. But most sacks I, I by a DB. And he only played he in like 12 games. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so next year, he's definitely going to be a problem for those other teams. It's going to be nice having Dunlop back as well. Yes, definitely. Dunlap uh, allows, the presence of Dunlap allows for a lot of Seattle's rotational players at the right end to feast on those one-on-one matchups. Guys like Alton Robinson. Alton Robinson is such a finesse-driven pass rusher. He can't win a double-team battle. He can't, if you double him, it just erases him from the play. But he can win one-on-one when left alone with a right tackle. Uh, He's definitely a Seahawks player with some high ceiling. Uh, we saw some of that ceiling last season. He uh, had some big moments, but he's another player I'm pretty excited for. Um, oh, also what Seattle did was they retained uh, Puna Ford. He was another key piece of the defensive line that was brought back. Uh, he's an interior defender. Great against the run. Stellar against the run. In fact, he had more tackles for loss than Jerron Reed did last season. So uh, Seattle gets uh, keeps one of their key players at the nose tackle position which is, you know, again, there's been a Brandon McBain-sized hole there since the Super Bowl years. Guys like like Al Woods, who was recently brought back to the team, but at this phase of his career probably isn't more than a substitutional player. You know, guys like guys like Sheldon Richardson. You remember we traded for Sheldon Richardson? Oh, yeah. uh, guys like Shamar Steffen. Uh, but my point is, there's there's been a Brandon McBain-sized hole in the middle of this defense until Puna Ford showed up. It's... um. Puna Ford uh, was one of Carroll's latest undrafted free agent finds. He's been great in his three years with the team. I'm super glad he's back. And I think retaining him was one of the best moves of Seattle's offseason. Yeah. And if we look over on the offensive side of the ball, uh, what do you think about Chris Carson coming back and the amount of money that he's going to get this year? Chris Carson is an interesting case because his contract is two years, but there's a third void year on the back. So he gets paid in the 2020 season even though he's not on the team Chris Carson is going to be making tons of money 
2023 and 2022, but not too much in 2021 or 2020. Wait, the 2020 season already happened. Never mind. He should be making a lot of money uh, in the back years of his contract, but not a lot in the front. So his cap hit for this season is small. Seattle is betting on the cap increasing a lot with the new TV deals next year. And it's that's honestly a pretty safe gamble. Uh, but I think that what Carson brings to this offense, they've just won more games when he's in the lineup. I uh, don't like attributing wins to a single player. Wins are a team stat. But Seattle uh, went through a bunch of major offensive slumps with Carson out of the lineup. And with Carson in the lineup, he was able to help the offense move, able to get the team a lot of wins. Yeah, and you know who got the same, same similar contract uh, to Carson? What yeah. running back? It was actually uh, the the amazing fantasy football uh, star from last year, Kenyon Drake. Yeah, Kenyon Drake going to Oakland or not Oakland? They're going to Vegas. I Vegas, forgot the yeah, Raiders. The move. Vegas Raiders, which Yikes. is it sounds weird. I always consider them Oakland. I yeah. probably will for a while. Like say with the Rams, it's hard calling them the L.A. Rams. I mean, I think I'm getting more used to the Rams, but the Raiders are just. I don't know why. I feel My like history they teacher called them the L.A. Raiders the other day. So at least oh, I'm boy. not doing that bad. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe maybe Kenyon Drake can find a little bit more success in uh, Vegas this year, but I can't see it happening personally. I He was supposed to have a really good season last year and honestly got nothing done. Uh, the Cardinals were kind of lacking at that position, and I think this year I can't see much better out of him, to be honest. I don't know. Kenyon Drake ran for – he didn't run for a lot of touchdowns last year, so his fantasy football campaign, Will, was kind of sarcastically alluding to that. He was a pretty major disappointment for anyone who you know picked him in the second round of fantasy football. Um, but he ran for a lot of yards. He outrushed Kyler Murray, uh, was like one or two carries away from hitting the century mark. You know, you get 900 yards in a season. That's a solid season. Yeah, I, he wasn't horrible. But when you're looking at a guy that was that good, and I think the only reason someone like Carson wasn't able to be up there is just because of injuries. Kenyon Drake didn't really fight a whole lot aside from that. And they also have some big weapons on that offense that defenders would have to be wary about. So it's not like he's the number one concern on that team. Yeah, definitely. It's like Chris Carson in Seattle. We love to claim that this is Russell Wilson's show, but they really do face a lot of seven and eight man boxes. And Carson has to run against them all the time. He still manages to average four yards a carry. The amount of attention paid to Chris Carson is unreal. Honestly, when you're watching Seahawks game film, it's pretty crazy, like how much attention is given towards stopping the run. And yeah, yeah. And I, yeah Carson is definitely a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so on another note, I kind of wanted to shift gears. Are any of you guys following March Madness right now? Yes. How about the Pac-12? Oh, yeah, man. Pac-12 really tearing it up right now. Uh, well, I guess minus UW, but I mean, I think they still have like three or four teams in. They got UCLA, USC, Oregon. Um, Oregon State in there, right? Yeah, Oregon State's still in there Which as well. Which is surprising because they were a pretty Chicago. low seed. Yeah, of course that number is definitely going to go down by one because Oregon is playing USC, but I so think all of these games are looking pretty lose. good. Yeah, but... I mean, I don't know. I think Oregon State has a shot against Loyola Chicago because both teams are pretty they're pretty low seeds. No one really expected them to get this far. Like Loyola Chicago, they beat the number one seed Illinois like by almost I think twenty points or yeah, I had Illinois winning the crazy. whole thing in my bracket. 
I <laughs> I didn't go so well. They actually yeah, no, held what? Not... Oh, oh, they held Illinois to an all-time like a season low this year uh, in that one game, which is pretty great. I think Loyola Chicago was honestly seated way too low, like, uh, and that's been a pattern that we've seen with all these upsets. I think it's not so much teams are just getting lucky, and there's been a lot of crazy upsets. I think it's that teams are getting seated incorrectly, and the COVID season has really not shown what teams' full potential is. And certain divisions, especially the Big Ten, haven't had maybe the exposure to the rest of the league. And as a result of that, we've seen some pretty weird uh, games. Oh, certainly, certainly. This has definitely been an odd um, March Madness tournament. Um, I mean, I'd be remiss if we didn't at least give a little bit of airtime to Oral Roberts. Uh, By the way, they got verified on Twitter. They got verified on Twitter. (laughs) Wow. They weren't yeah, even verified is... before this, and now they weren't <laughs> even goodness, verified. They didn't even get verified until after they uh, they beat Ohio State. They like they still weren't verified. They had to win one more game. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Like looking at their looking at the teams they've beat so far, Ohio State and Florida. Those are some big schools. Like how did yeah. how? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, a lot of people are predicting the Cinderella run to come to an end this weekend, but I've already bet against this team twice and been burned both times. I think it might be time to just hop on the hype train. Go Oral (laughs) Roberts. Bring Tulsa, Oklahoma a victory. Let's face it, the city of Tulsa doesn't exactly have much else to cheer for. Hey, well, you got the Gonzaga uh, team, which has been, they've been really good for the last couple of years. And I always put them in my bracket just because my dad went to undergrad there. And I was actually just in Spokane last weekend playing a couple hockey games. And there was a lot of support for the Bulldogs. Like you could see people all over the streets. People are going to little meetups to watch the games and bars. It's pretty cool. There's certainly a lot of support for them in that city. Yeah, so the Zags yeah. should roll into the tournament. Uh, they are definitely the favorite now that Illinois is out of the picture. If they weren't always the favorite, that is. So keep an eye on the yeah, Gonzaga I mean, Bulldogs. They are number one. Yeah, keep an eye on your Gonzaga Bulldogs. Of course, they are the most local team to this market. So we will definitely be keeping an eye on them. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the water break. I think this is actually going to be about it from us. Uh, so we'd like to thank you once more for listening, uh, and we would like to ask you to stay tuned on 88.9 The Bridge for more music and conversation that spans generations. With that, we are out. Have a great weekend, everybody.